Welcome to Women in Venture Capital. I'm Roshvina, a student at Harvard Business School with prior experience in finance and more recently venture capital in Africa. And I'm Anvita, Harvard Business School class of 22. I've actively worked in VC and tech startup space. Our mission at Women in Venture Capital is simple. increase the representation of women in the vc industry through awareness and engagement so join us as we engage with women establishing their presence in vc our guest today is lexi novitsky lexi is a general partner at african tech growth fund norskin 22 lexi has years of investing experience in africa having previously launched and worked at equity venture partners and singularity investments in lagos nigeria among other funds Throughout her journey she has invested in several companies across fintech and enterprise platforms including the likes of Paystack, Flutterwave and Pharma. Prior to VC Lexi worked in asset management at Sandler O'Neill. Thank you so much for joining us on the show Lexi. It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Pleasure to join. Awesome. So we'll jump right in. Um and like I said, you most recently worked at funds in Lagos. But your focus on investing in Africa started way back at the Small Enterprise Assistance Fund in Washington DC. So I'm really curious to hear what motivated you to look at the African venture space and eventually move to Nigeria. Yeah, so um it's actually a, a a funny story. So I used to work at a hedge fund in New York and took a what was supposed to be just a short sabbatical backpacking across Africa. Started that trip in Ethiopia and just kept extending my trip. Um ended up traveling to to over 20 countries just by myself in Africa and and really saw that there was this huge economic opportunity that nobody was really untapping with investment capital especially from the US and i decided to shift my career to focus on africa um didn't previously have a background in investing on the continent or emerging markets or even private equity um but really had an idea that this was going to be the next market to be unlocked and i wanted to be a part of that growth So yes, you mentioned my first job out of Seath. Um it was an impact focused investing firm based in the US. It's only there for a short while. I really knew I needed to be on the ground um rather than investing from a desk in the US if I really wanted to make an impact and that brought me to Nigeria. Awesome. And 20 countries. That's that you're almost hitting the half over there. <laughs> um that's amazing and and kind of an example of one thing that I do talk about um pretty often on the show is that the path to VC is pretty unique for everyone and it's one of those rare industries where there's no set you know like degrees or prior experience to get in um so I'm glad to know that it was an exploratory phase for you um that led to to this today yeah it it definitely was i mean exploratory and and certainly Uh I had a lot of conviction that I would say wasn't necessarily always supported by my friends and family um or even some of my you know mentors that had kind of guided me through my career growth but I really believed in it and was willing to take the risk and hindsight 2020 but it, it's it's obviously worked out very well Amazing Your funds at Acuity have been successful with the first one returning 11 times In your opinion, what are some key strategies that you have implemented that have led to the success? Yeah, I mean, um so we 
we were lucky with fund one um, in that we were one of the first investors that was really active in investing in early stage deals. So at that point in time, there really wasn't a lot of competition um, to get into the, the best companies, but I made it really part of my, my mission and my brand to engage and interact with the tech ecosystem and build relationships with you know, bright developers who maybe weren't even yet starting their businesses quite early. Um, so I would be the first point of reference when they were starting to, to launch their own business. So these were talented individuals who maybe were building um, software systems at institutional companies like banks, or maybe they were returning Nigerians that had worked in Google and Microsoft and now were wanting to come back to the continent. Um, so part of, I think, my, my early success was just making sure that I'd built those relationships quite early so I would have the visibility on the deal flow um, when these talented people were starting their businesses. And really, you know, um, everybody says it's about the founding team. So understanding what qualitative factors in a founder that I really wanted to see that would build success. And, and look, I had some early failures also. My first two investments uh, were not my strongest success stories in the portfolio. And I think I learned a lot from that, both in what sort of founders are able to scale up in early stage businesses, but also what sort of business models were needed in the market at that time. And what we, especially in our first fund, what we really focused on was investing in companies that were building the digital infrastructure layers that every other company, every other tech company would need to leverage off of for their growth. So it was things like payments infrastructure, um, digital identity, um, data insights, these sort of infrastructure layers that we knew had to be in place for a functioning digital marketplace to really work. And that's where we've really focused our investment energy on. So that first fund um, you mentioned, we had some incredible success in investing in companies like Paystack, which was acquired by Stripe as they entered the African market and Flutterwave as well, which was one of the, the first unicorns on the continent. Both of those companies really built the payment infrastructure layers, but we're approaching it in different ways. Um, also invested in a company called Smile ID, which is building the largest unified digital identity platform across the continent. And today you see that all of the fintechs, the major fintech companies, as well as global companies that are trying to untap the African consumer are leveraging off of Smile ID's infrastructure to really KYC and onboard clients. So that was really our first focus of our fund. The second fund, we started investing in companies that were going beyond that, doing direct-to-consumer facing models, building out systems for supply chain infrastructure. Um, but you know, kind of that second wave of, of companies that are now starting to build more complex and niche solutions. Um, and, and our second fund also has done pretty well. We have another 26 companies in that portfolio, not just in Nigeria, but all across the African continent. That sounds like a really interesting combination of uh, your vision for this emerging market and the fortune of being one of the early ones to arrive there. That sounds like a really interesting journey that you've been on. Yeah, it's been, it's been an, an incredible journey. I wouldn't say it's always been easy. Um, when I first uh, did the, the investment firm, it was actually underneath a family office group. And 
I'd put forward an offer to, to this family to buy out the portfolio, move it over to my own platform, Acuity Venture Partners. That was kind of my fund one. But at that point in time, even though we had what was an incredible portfolio of companies already built, there really wasn't a lot of conviction from LPs to back me in buying out that portfolio. Um, and it was hard, you know, I think it took us probably a year to really to find the investors that understood the story that really saw the opportunity for exits, which we hadn't seen yet on the continent. And we're willing to put the capital up to do that. I mean, those investors now have, you know, returned over 11 times their money. So they're obviously quite happy with their performance and continue to roll that over into future funds of ours. Um, but it wasn't always easy from the beginning, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's really interesting, right? Like Caitlin said, um, really timing is really important here because the industry a couple of years ago and, and today is very different in terms of just the risk appetite. Um, of course, it is in cycles, but there has been quite a bit of, you know, you're seeing more startups pop up, more funds uh, flowing in, not only from the US, from Europe, from within the continent itself. So um, maybe a shorter span of time to, to back these new funds also. So there, it is a really interesting, um, but you, like Kidlin said, you did have a first mover um, advantage and also the riskiness associated with it. Um, awesome. And I, yes. <laughs> and I just want to stay on the same topic of, of investments and ask you what are some themes and trends in African VC that you're really excited about? Yeah, so um, I think that there's a couple of spaces that right now we're we're very excited about. I think there's a lot more still to be done in the fintech landscape. I mean, there are massive problems still in cross-border banking. So, you know, a lot of businesses in Africa are, are doing trading from one country to another, operating across multiple countries on the continent. But it's still not seamless or easy for these companies to exchange money to really have these pan-African bank accounts where they can leverage their business growth. So that's that's an area we're quite interested in it now, um, as well as the treasury management space. Um, we're also quite excited about identity. Um, there's a big opportunity still to unlock identity on the continent. Um, right now, most individuals do not even have access to a government issued ID or even identification number. Um, but all of these consumers now are leveraging their cell phones to access digital services. And there's that need for identity for them to be able to really do that. Um, thirdly, I think that there's a huge opportunity to build out more systems for uh, seamless supply chain. And, and this is across verticals. It's everywhere from informal retailers to auto parts to, to even fresh food. And those supply chain networks are, are very broken. They're very costly um, and they don't operate across borders very well. So I think there's a huge opportunity to really solve those problems um, today on the African continent. Those are some really interesting opportunities. Um, I would have a quick follow-up to your response and I would ask, do you think those themes and trends are specific to emerging markets in Africa or do you think they apply to emerging markets across the board? Yeah, I mean, I think that these are problems that you probably have seen in, in every single market, not just emerging markets. It's just that Africa is certainly lagging 
um, by most other markets in the world. And, and actually, I think that's, that's quite a positive for us. You know, we're investing in businesses that are doing the same sort of solving the same sort of problems that have been solved many times in markets across the world, whether that's developed markets or other, other emerging markets. So we can really see, you know, it lowers our business case risk. Um, and at that point, it's more executional risk. Um, but we can really see, you know, what, what has worked in other markets around the world and take the learnings from that and then apply it to a local context. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does seem like a bit of an advantage to almost be able to look into the future and then apply it. Um, the next question that we'll ask is, what has your experience been with gender dynamics in VC? And what are some resources that have helped you thrive in a historically male industry? I use historically, but the issue is very much ongoing. Yeah, so um, so it certainly is. I would say uh, I've probably more noticed the gender dynamics in venture capital in the US and Europe than I have operating in Africa. Um, I think something that has been, um, you know, somewhat of a blessing for us is that because VC is that VC and the tech industry are so new to the continent, they can almost they don't necessarily have to be branded as male dominated as other industries have been like the telecom industry, banking, et cetera. Um, and I think it, they've, um, you know, been able to really attract a lot of very talented women, both in the tech industry and into the venture capital landscape. Um, the only, I would say, discouraging factors that I've had being a, a woman in investments that have been operating in some of the maybe northern parts of Nigeria, for example, where there's a lot less women in industry and business in general. Um, and it almost comes as a surprise um, that you're the investor doing the business or you're the boss in the room. Um, but you know, I would say I, I actually haven't, I think Nigeria has a lot of very senior women um, running very successful businesses and even women in politics. Um, so that they've been very welcoming um, to me as, you know, for many years, I was a single GP, single person GP um, running my own firm. And I was certainly never, never felt discouraged from either having access to winning deals. And quite the contrary, I think it, it was a, also a platform that allowed me to attract a lot of successful and, and talented female entrepreneurs um, that were looking for a trusted ally as they were looking for investment capital. Yeah, that's, that's really great to hear. Um, and you brought up something really interesting. So we've, we've had guests on the show also from Asia. Um, and until recently, countries like China were also considered, you know, and maybe still emerging markets as well. But when you do talk about the role of women um, in a lot of these emerging markets, um, women have actually been part as, you know, leads in politics and business for years. So it's, it actually is less strange in some, in some sense to have them in there. So it kind of matches what you've been saying about Africa as well, which is really interesting because then you have the more developed countries where that is less the case and you see a more blatant disparity. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, we would almost call it 
the late mover advantage, right? Like you can mm -hmm. you can build um, a, a scalable ecosystem, but also an ecosystem that's probably more inclusive um, because you're starting from scratch. And I think we've seen a lot of the positive aspects of that come through in an African ecosystem, but but especially in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, our last question for you today is what advice do you have for aspiring female investors, um, especially those who are focused on the continent? Yeah, I mean, I, I would give the, the same sort of advice I would give everybody is, is focus on um, one thing that you can do especially well, your own secret sauce. And for me, that was probably building strong relationships. Um, so it was building relationships early with the founders. It, and then when I invested, it was also having the relationships that could help those founders as they scaled up their businesses, you know, relationships with uh, regulatory officials or with uh, business development contacts that could really help help scale up their sales cycles. Um, but for, for other investors, it might be something different, but but you know, don't try to do it all. Focus on what you is really your zone of genius, as some people would call it, and be sure you build a brand around that. Um, so that would be my my number one bit of advice. But um, certainly, I think that you only realize outside it outsized returns if you take outsized risk, and that's something that's been certainly true in my case. Um, I've kind of taken the risk to, to make that leap, moving to Africa, building my own firm and my own platform. Um, and, you know, with the understanding that I, you know, could be in a completely different situation than I am today, but I, but I also wouldn't have made it to the point of the impact that we've made with Acuity Ventures if I hadn't done that from the start. I think it's incredible to hear about how the moment that you did take the leap to take all of that risk was, I guess you could view it as a moment where you did have a lot to lose because you were all set up, you had a great job, you were doing really important work. And despite all of that, you were looking for more adventure and as a result, yeah. more benefit and payoff. So that's really inspirational. Absolutely. And I echo thank that. You. And Yeah. And Thank you, Lexi, so much for sharing all of your insights with us today. Thank you for joining us on the show. And before we wrap up, I also just want to give a shout out to Caitlin, who just joined our hosting team here at Women in VC. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. This was a lot of fun.